Okay, book of Shuv. We are now studying, of course, one of the classic works of medieval Jewish literature known as Igeret Himan. <coughs> a letter that the Rabbah had written to a community in dire straits, a community under great difficulty, a community that is now persecuted. And they, people in this community, raised very significant, very serious questions as to, at this point in time, what do we do to survive? What are the issues in this particular Igeret, this particular letter? First of all, of course, the question was raised, what is the significance of a community suffering? The entire community is now suffering by virtue of persecution. <coughs> persecution by the Islamic <coughs> fanatics was not unknown to the Ram, as we pointed out. In 1148, before the, after the coming year, of course, Haramban himself, as a 13-year-old, was thrown out of his home base of Cordoba and had traveled for the next 18 years trying to find some respite from the Amul Hadis. And of course, as we mentioned, of course, some people actually had the had to convert to Islam officially only, it's only according to some, only outwardly in order to live life. How does one live life in a very difficult situation is the question Ramam is dealing with over here. That's the first issue. So what is the significance of the community suffering? Second of all, the issue deals over here is how do you respond to a convert to Islam who is now missionizing for Islam? We claim the Torah itself... <coughs> confirms the prophecies of Muhammad. That's not new. Christianity did the same thing a thousand years earlier. But now, in the 12th century, there is a Jewish person who converts to Islam and says that the Torah itself tells you to convert to Islam. How should we respond to that? Is Islamic interpretation of biblical text legitimate or not legitimate? Third issue that they describe, that they describe discuss over here is how do we evaluate the claims of another individual who claims to be Mashiach? Mashiach is coming. He's on the way now. Now, this Messiah is going to rescue us from the persecution of our Mahadis. He's a Jewish Messiah. What do I do now with him? Do I accept him? Not to the, how do I evaluate Messianic claims is the issue that the Rambam wants to deal with. They're asking these very significant theological, historical questions. And finally, can we predict the date of the Mashiach? Now, it's interesting to note that the Rambam's family actually had a date for Mashiach coming which is, I think, 1232, 1233, died, of course, in 1204. 1235 to 1204 to the Rambam. But the Ben Abraham, the Rambam's son, does, in fact, deal with this question as to can we predict, in fact, the date of the Mashiach coming. Now, we have all kinds of Gemara who say, absolutely not, you cannot predict this date. Tipah Asmotam, blasted are the bones of those people that try to predict the coming of the Mashiach. We are not allowed to do so. Nevertheless, everybody does so. And the Rambam himself is involved in this as well, which we'll get to later on, to talk about the issue of the dating for the Mashiach himself. Now, so here we have mass conversions to Islam and a false Messiah. These are the theological issues that the Rambam is dealing with in this particular essay. Now, again, keep in mind something that we've emphasized and repeated time and time again, that when you are reading an open letter, it either is directed and focused and true to form regarding the issues that are involved in the letter, or it's merely polemical and exaggerated because the concern is merely to solve an immediate problem, not to write theoretically and philosophically and speculatively and truthfully about that particular issue. In other words, eventually we're going to have to raise the question, how does one deal with these issues over here as opposed to his other writings? Meshach Torah is the, of course, the touchstone of the Rambam's philosophy, his thoughts, Morena Bukhim. What is he saying in this letter, which is focused on a particular practical issue, as opposed to the Mishneh Torah, which is more speculative or more theoretical? Which really has more legitimacy to it? When you read anybody else's letter, it can either go one way or the other way. It could be the truth, because I'm only writing to you, 
On the other hand, it's an open letter, so maybe it's not so truthful. He's only writing to try to allay their fears. That's one possibility. On the other hand, because I'm only focused to you, these are okay, I'll go to right to you, I'll write to you. It doesn't make a difference one way or the other. I must get solve your problem, get to the answer to your situation, and then when I want to write about what I really believe, I write that in my official works, quote unquote. So that which way it goes, and as we go along, we will see how the Rambam deals with these two issues. Now, we began with this introduction where the Rambam, of course, praises, praises with all kinds of great praises the community of Teman. Exaggeratedly so, and poetically so, rhythmically so. And you raise the question, why is Rambam writing so poetically so so uh, rhythmically in this particular context? Interesting question. Of course, we see in the first page that his intent, he wrote from the very beginning, has a kulidana effort, weak hands, strengthened, and knees that are stumbling, knees that are failing, faltering, good. I meant to strengthen those knees as well. So that's his intent. He says from the very beginning what the intent of his work is actually all about. Good. But now we're going to the praise of the community of, of Temana we read about. Flowing rivers of Torah knowledge. The roots are strong. The truth is clear. Fantastic situation. Absolute praise of the Jews of Teman For their own community and for all other communities. Whoever passes by over here, all were sustained by the Torah of the Yemenite community. And what is their greatness? We had seen on page Kof here. Right, Kofi. The greatness over here is that they keep all the mitzvot, the great mitzvot, as well as the commentary of Asher. So Torah and Torah are both safeguarded by the Jews of Teman. Great, and they're all at one. There's complete unanimity. Enters. There's nobody that breaks ranks. Enters. Nobody leaves the fold. There's no screaming in the streets. Is a pasuk, of course, from Tehillim. All of this. All of this praise is for a certain reason. You all have to come to. And we thank God that did not cease from the midst of Teman, those who fear the Torah, Shomir Hokim, Ba'ir Hakur, and all the faraway places, as he promised us by the prophet Yeshayahu, where he said that even the ends of the earth, Teman is viewed as really far away. The really tip of that gulf over there. Very far away, you hear the songs of Torah always spread. So now to page Korvav. Now he says, When we received your letter, Yakileno, our dear friend, came to Egypt. So what is letter being written? 1172. He received the letter in 1172, and it responded to within six months. Right. 1172. The Rams already six years, five, six years in Egypt. Settled. Prior to that, for 18 years, from 1148, all the way to around 1166, about 18 years, he was running from place to place, trying to stay one step ahead of the Amul Hadis. Okay, so now he's settled. Pleasant were all those who heard, Now, once again, poetically rhyming. What disturbs you about this phrase? Pleased were all the ears that heard your words, it is tempting for the eyes to go on with this. Because it's in a negative context. Right. Very good. So we have to raise this question. It's a very negative context. In what context is this? Then I again. Here, we're in the midst of a first violation of divine commandment of Gan Eden, the Why is the Rabbah writing this way? 
Now we're going to assume, and maybe your question is assumption, but we're going to assume at this point that the receiver of this letter knew Bible well. If he knows the reference, he knows that your letter is what? What's the key word of it? What does that mean? It's tempting and it's also dangerous. It's hadat is dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because if you eat from that forbidden fruit, you can in fact cause death. What do I say about if you eat? The day you reach from this fruit, you will die. So now, is there a subtle undercurrent over here that the Ram is trying to communicate? In other words, you will note throughout this four or five pages we've already read, the Ram repeatedly quotes biblical passages. Can one create a subtext over here based only on biblical passages? Or is it simply just floor, a kind of florid writing? Flowery, beautiful, now, it's interesting. Two different worlds. When I write in Hebrew, I write biblically. If I can think of a phrase that's going to capture an idea, I use it all the time. When I was in high school, to show you what arrogance I, I had in high school, I used to have a test. I used to end my, my test, Tam Vinishlam Shevach La'er Boreh Olam, which I read someplace. Who writes that? The great writer. Tam Vinishlam, my test, I wrote the test, Time in Islam, I mean, I was, I was so immersed in biblical study from Megan Davi, I guess it was. But I went to Flavish High School, Time in Islam, finished and perfect, Shevach la'er boreh olam, praise the God of Creator. I mean, who, I mean, you can't write that way. That's, if I had to just get out there, I said, he's a clown, or he's trying to uh, butter me up, or something else like that. But I wrote it, but sincerely I wrote it. I wrote it sincerely that this is praise to God. So I was that immersed in biblical teachings. And so whenever I remember a phrase, I answered, we used to interrupt right at this all in Hebrew. Now it's Hillel, it's all in English, unfortunately. But I used to answer everything in Hebrew. We wrote essays in Hebrew, everything was in Hebrew. So you end up with this whole Hebrew Likut, amalgam of biblical verse. So I wrote as a Ramam wrote, obviously with all uh, due respect and differences of uh, ability at that point in time. Ramam quotes biblical verse. He doesn't have to write this to Abel Why is he writing it? Either because he's only, uh, it's a flourish, it's a rhetorical, rhythmic, poetic flourish, and of no great conceptual significance, or we'll say the opposite. What will we say? That really the Rambam wants to commute a subtext, another message, by virtue of writing with these biblical passages. In other words, you can create an entire different letter, perhaps, by taking note of that which he's writing. So this is certainly very striking to write this. Prior to this, we had seen a few of them, and other letters that we read of the Rambam, we had seen where the Rambam does, in fact, really quote way out stuff. It doesn't seem to be in consonance with the thrust of the letter. Is there a notion over here or not? The Rambam is a very subtle writer, a very nuanced writer. One has to take every word that he writes very seriously. But okay, let's see what he says over here. So it's Tavon I 9. So this is really tempting to the eyes. It's a very negative context. And this letter testified in front of us about you. You are those who serve Hashem, who stand in His sanctuary. Again, this is from the book of Midbar. Those who are encamped with the Degel. So again, we're saying what a great person, the author of this letter that wrote to Rambam, asking these questions that we discussed already. What a great person he is, correct, number one. And he's standing by the standard. And he's a person that seeks out, runs after Torah, and a lover of the Jewish religion. 
而是要对不对 ？Who always spending great deal of time on the doorways, dototea of the synagogue. Yiftach Hashem l'cha eretz puneha. May God open up His treasures and fill your heart with His secrets. Notice the poetic rhyme. Viudu v'leha neir l'vecha v'olik dototea. Of course, pasuk v'mishle. And may always, may always, the Torah be a neir, a candle. A candle for your istilim, a candle for istilim, a candle for your raglecha for your feet, and a light to your steps. Good. Now you told us, Shemata mixed ahel, that you heard from some of our brothers and Shegilu Galutim who live in the exile. You heard, you heard. Now tell me again, why is Rambam is? Shehem halimoti. People praise me. Umanabim and they. Many will lift me up, and and they place me among the greatest of all the rabbis, <clears throat> the strong, powerful rabbis. <clears throat> That's what people wrote about, said about the Rambam, which of course was true. By 1172, the Rambam had <clears throat> how old was he? When 1135, so he's about he's about 37 years old. Then he had already written at this point his Mutagayon at 16, his book on logic at 16. He had already written his Pirush to the Talmud, half the Pirush to the Talmud. By the time he was 23, 24, he had begun writing a 23 Pirush at 33. His Pirush Mishnayot, which is an extraordinary work, also. So people knew the Rambam. This is not exaggerated praise. The Rambam was an extraordinary mind. To think at 16, 18, 20, 25, he's writing to the Talmud is an amazing phenomenon. So yet the Rambam will deny all this. They spoke about it because they loved me, not because it's really accurate or true. With their goodness and their kindness, they spoke and they wrote about me in this fashion. If you want to hear a straight story, <coughs> listen to me. <coughs> Now, why would the Rambam over here and below, as you're going to see, deny his accomplishments? <coughs> why would you do that? Why say I'm not as great as you think I am? Sorry. An easy answer would be humility. Formally, one writes humbly, right? You write humbly. That's the way people in medieval period wrote. That I'm not as great as you think I am. I'm very humble. Any other subtext over here that you could think of? I certainly accept what you're saying. You come up from high and you're trying to bring people along. They might uh, don't tell me what to do. But you go down more than their level. I'm like you. Maybe okay, good. The Rambam has an agenda over here. Rambam has to strengthen his very Difficult situation. The people, the hands of these people, which is in- incredibly difficult to understand. They're being threatened now physically with their life. They don't convert. Everyone wants to strengthen them. So the Rama may want to say, "I'm not up here telling you what to do. I'm one of you telling you what to do. I know what it's like. I've been through it. And where's my great knowledge? Interesting point. My great knowledge is none." You don't have the answer. What does that mean? I'm not this great genius. That what I'm telling you is obvious to everybody. I didn't discover what I'm telling you right now because I'm such a genius. What I'm telling you now is two and two is four. Therefore, what? You know it yourselves to be true. So don't even argue with me. In other words, had I come up with this answer from some esoteric book or something else like that effect, then you could argue. Oh, argue whether it's right or wrong. No, no, no. What I'm telling you is straightforward. I'm no genius. Two and two is four. This is what you have to do over here. Very simple. So, is that the intent of the Rambam in 
humbling himself and saying, what do I know? I am a very small person over here. Yet, I know this to be true. Look at the words. Listen to me. Do not turn to another person. What does that mean? That means that there was somebody else counseling them differently. Who is going to say to them, because I read the book, I know the story. Listen to me. What is he saying to the other person? Do not convert to Islam. Ram has to get them to convert to Islam and save their lives. That's, don't even, don't take note that I just said that. Because that comes down later on. I don't want you to know that yet. But that's what's happening over here. <clears throat> there are those who are going to say to them, you better, better to give your life and convert to Islam. That's not the Ram's opinion. Right? Ram's opinion is that Islam is not a pagan religion. It believes in one God. Al-Wahid God is one. And therefore one can, in fact, pretend to convert to Islam rather than give up one's life. As opposed to Christianity. Which is, some of you say is pagan, and therefore one cannot do so. That's an interesting question. So the Ramah was here saying, what I'm telling you is obvious, I'm the lowest, the smallest of all the great rabbis of Sefarad. Whose glory in the exile was lowered. Who am I? And I will always, continuously, ongoingly, ongoingly, I shall to be frequent with the Mishmerotai safeguarding the traditions. The law sati and I did not <clears throat> I did not reach the great wisdom of my forefathers. Right? So but I know this answer to this question. This is a straightforward, simple question. Now I was going to explain why things are they are the way they are. Why did I not receive this great knowledge? Now again, why is he writing this? Difficult, horrible, harsh days had overtaken us. Again, from 1148, when he was 13 years old, all the way to around 1166, he was running away from the persecutors. We never rested. There was no tranquility in our lives. We were tired. It was still when nothing was easy for us. Now, again, Red flag I see over here. The red flag. What's the red flag? But I ran after the harvesters in all of the pathways and I gathered up Shibolim. I gathered up the um, Shibolim is the, uh, the wheat, the wheat, the, the wheat, the chaff and the, the, the seed, right? What red flag do I see over here? Right. So A is from root. Now, why are you quoting over here from root? What is A? What does it mean? Sorry? Okay, good. Okay, hold on to that point for a second. Okay, so first I'm saying that I gathered up little snippets, tidbits of knowledge here and there. I went to every different pathway. I know astronomy and I know philosophy. And I did all kinds of knowledge I gathered up. Okay, that's what it means over here. I gathered a lot of little places of knowledge all over the place. But we did that. Very nice. But that was quoted from Roots. So now, Charlie's point is very well taken. Roots is about conversion. Root what happens? Ruth the Moabite converts to Judaism. Right? So now, is this a subtext over here of that she converted to Judaism? And therefore, it's, that's good. But now we're talking about the opposite side. That's what we're quoting from Judaism to Islam. So how's it going to fit in over here? So we have to put his, uh, his, his statement on in the back burner. What else is context about? What happens at the end of the day in Ruth? Mashiach. Ruth's final discussion, and that we rabbinic Jews, they were rabbinic Jews as well, know that at the end of the day, 
David is the great-great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz, and Mashiach comes from Beth David, right? So over here, is there a reference that, we, of course, we're going to, as we know, going to speak later on about Mashiach and about the false Messiah. <clears throat> so Ruth does play a role over here. Now, either because of the issue of conversion, or because of, here we're talking about Geulah, or redemption, or the Mashiach. So again, look at the subtlety of the Ramam's writing, by introducing over here the notion of root. That I went and I gathered little, in all the little pathways, I grabbed all the Shibulim, all these little, what's the right English word? It's not, what do you put, you have, you have grains. Grains, but there's something else, the grain, the chaff together. Shibulim is like a, uh, the chaff and the wheat together. There's something that you call that. I will gather, sorry, the kernel, the kernel, I think it's kernel, good. Thank you, kernel. I gathered all the full ones, the healthy ones, and even the sedumot, <clears throat> those which were shriveled up and empty. I didn't take anything away. I gathered all of my knowledge together. The good knowledge, the weak knowledge. Now I am settling in my house a bit. Because now I'm in Egypt, 1172, I got there in 1168. I'm here four or five years. I am finally free from the persecutions. What does that mean? It means I can answer you straightforwardly. I've been there, done that, and now I am calm enough to be able to discuss this with you. I have the knowledge. Now look at the self-balance over here. The balance is, I gathered all the knowledge, and yet who am I? I, I know enough to answer your question. I'm not a third rate. On the other hand, I'm not the greatest ones, but I know the answer to this question. Everybody knows the answer to this question. You don't have to go to Chalil Yosef to go find the answer to this question. If they say, should I call on this cup or not? I know the answer to this question. I said, I have to know the answer to this question. So somebody contradicts me. It's obvious. Everybody knows this. Is the Ramam's point over here. Okay, next page. And except for that Hashem helped us, of course, Hashem Shayalanu, despite the constant persecutions, Hashem Hayalanu, and our forefathers always aided us, our forefathers always helped us and told us, I have not yet reached the little bit that I will tell you about, and from me, you will always be able to acquire, and I'll share the knowledge with you. Now he's in Fez. Nope, this is past Fez. Now he's in Egypt, Alexandria, that for six months, and he ended up in Cairo. So he traveled. Now in 1172, he is, in fact, at home and at rest. Right? Good. Now, with me. Everybody, top of the next page. Yes, you have it. Okay, good. Now, about our good friend, our student, the Vishnu Avon, wise, insightful, which you said in your writing, who fills his mouth with our praise, and he expansively praises us. He's exaggerating. Again, humility, or it's obvious what I'm going to say. I'm not this great scholar. What I'm telling you is obvious. In his love of me, he spoke exaggeratingly of me. And he, he deal, and he, um, he deal, he, and grandfather is good, to speak in his love and his compassion. May God protect him and save him, and he shall be as a garden that flourishes. Interesting, and she returned to us full and happy. What does that mean? We don't know. We don't know the context of what happened over here. It either could be that he should visit us again, 
and return to us well, like saying Derech Shalom to us, have it come back well, or it could be that he was ill, and they should return to his full health. Shalem usually is a, is a medical issue. Shalem, full, health, well. So perhaps one or the other, not important for us. Now, <coughs> now it comes again. And the rest of the matter of your letter that you asked to return to you to answer about it, right? This is what I've seen. To answer you, in Arabic, this language over here, with the right dialect. Now, red flag. What was the red flag? And you're not going to notice unless you know, you know this stuff. What's the red flag over here? <coughs> no, 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 no. They understood Arabic, so therefore they, of course, are there. This you have to look up. What's the red flag over here? Now, you're not going to notice if you're not a biblical Jew. If you're a biblical Jew, you know Tanakh, you're going to know this. But otherwise, you're not going to know this. It's a great phrase. It's a wonderful phrase. Where does it come from? Habakkuk. It's one of my most favorite phrases in all of Tanakh. First chapter of Habakkuk on page 1363. Now, I'll give you the, back, the backdrop. And tell me whether or not this is an accidental, flourishing, flowery passage just happened to quote, or something much more serious involved over here. Now, what happens in Habakkuk? First of all, of course, you want to know the historical context. When did Habakkuk live? Why are you even thinking? I don't know. Nobody knows. Joey? He lived in the time of uh, the Khurban. No. That's big time guess. And big time wrong. 612 before the Common Era. <clears throat> But it wasn't done the Harban. He didn't do the Harban. He has nothing to do with the Harban. Way before the Harban. Very important is the Harban. Now, what happened in his lifetime that is going to really shed light on this entire essay, actually? What happened? You have, in the year 615, 612, two empires vying for supremacy. Which two empires? Which two empires? Right. Ashur and Bavir. Okay? Now, here's, here's our... Map of Israel, right? Here's your Jordan River. Here's your Mediterranean Sea. Not bad. Probably we told you this about 40 years ago, and I still remember it. Right? There's the eastern portion and the western portion. Okay, good. Sorry. Great map. Great map. The kids love it in school. Here's Bavel up here, actually over there, and here's Ashur, Assyria, Mesopotamia, and here's Egypt down here. So you have Babylonia, Iran is down here, Iran is Persia. Here's Iraq, God save us, and Mesopotamia over here. Of course, the boundaries have shifted depending upon who was more or less powerful, right? For 400 years, Assyria ruled the Rus, an extraordinarily powerful nation, one of the greatest nations of the history of the world. Extraordinary in their cruelty as well. Ashurubani Pal, one of the last kings, said, quote, I have painted the mountains red with the blood of my enemies. That's one of the last kings in the middle of the 7th century for the coming of Ashur. Powerful. They came along around the year 1000, and they're the ones, of course, that devastated in 722 the 10 northern tribes and destroyed them all. Now, Sifania and Avi spoke about the trees of the field screaming in agony against Ashur. Why? They followed a scorched earth policy. 
they would destroy the entire area, which was unusual. Oh, right, 10.30. Yeah. Oh, it's 10.30. They're here. Okay. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yes, I'm sorry, too. Give me two minutes. Okay. Be right there. Okay, conservatives don't want to know about orthodoxy. So we got, we got two more minutes. Okay. <clears throat> so, Assyria, Assyria is very powerful. So, Sifania screams and yells about how powerful it's terrible, Assyria. They're destroying the Jewish people in 722. Very powerful. Now, in six... Of course, Yonah goes to Assyria. Yonah goes to Ninveh, which is the capital of Assyria. Ninveh, Yonah goes and prays. I want it to be destroyed. It's a horrible evil. Why do you have any compassion on them? They're a horrible evil nation. Hashem wants compassion on Ninveh. Because they repented. Who are you kidding? Temporarily. Temporarily. Correct. Exactly. That's the problem. So that's the issue. But Ashur and Now, Bavel in 612 destroys Assyria. 612 for the common era. Bavel destroys Assyria. Everybody's thrilled, except for Habakkuk. He's complaining miserably against this. Why is he so angry? Look at the first pasuk. How long shall I scream and yell and you won't hear? I will call out Hamas, lawless, violence. You don't help me? Why have you shown me all this evil? <clears throat> and all this persecution, all this me, and his only contention and strife about everything? Torah is always going to fail. What's his problem? There's never going to be justice. What's his problem? Here's his problem. I, I have to end in about one minute, but here's his problem. You see the backdrop over here. His problem over here is, very simply, Epsha. What does Epsha mean? Worse. What's worse over here? God, I don't understand this. You destroyed Ashur. Fantastic. Wonderful. You're a great God. What did you put in his place? Babel. It's worse. It's the equivalent, as I mentioned to my class, I teach this thing, the equivalent of the rabbi who speaks against Nazism and says it's going to fail, it's evil, it's iniquitous, it's going to fail, be destroyed. 42, they laugh at it. 43, they laugh at it. 45, they laugh, they won't laugh because it's destroyed. That's a destroyed story. So for two years, everything's fine. All of a sudden, Stalin achieves great power, and now what happens? He's worse. Stalin's worse than Hitler. He goes 60 million, kills 40 million people. So what could you do, God? I don't get what you're doing over here. I have no clue what you're doing. You take one evil nation, and you put with the worst evil nation. From Nazis go to Stalinism, which is worse. From Ashwin went to Bavel, which is worse. I don't understand your system of justice. Now, Perek Bet, Habakkuk is so angry, he screams and yells at Hashem about what is going on over here. And you'll find this pasuk in the answer that Hashem gives to Habakkuk, which we'll talk about next week. Sorry, I, 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 I,